Welcome everyone to the Grinded Podcast. Nipsey Hussle is going to bring us in just a little bit with Grinding All My Life. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle paid the price. Want a slice, got the roll of dice, that's why. All my life, I've been grinding all my life. Uh. It's time to hit this rail we call life and grind it. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Today we're going to be going over, uh, well, we're going to start Acts chapter 6. And I just want to say, again, thank you for being a listener. Thank you for sharing this podcast with your friends and your family, your coworkers, people at church, people anywhere that you see or meet. Uh, because when you share this podcast, the Grind It Podcast, you are giving people the opportunity to hear about Jesus. And if they don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior... Uh, hopefully that they're going to hear about Jesus in this podcast and and want to make him their uh, his their Lord and Savior and if if they already know Jesus then Lord willing that they're going to draw closer to Jesus and get to know Jesus on a more intimate basis. But again, I just want to say thank you for uh, listening and thank you for sharing the podcast and may God's blessings be upon you. Uh, like I said, we're going to uh, start in Acts chapter 6 in this podcast, and we'll maybe finish it in the next one. Um, but I just want to do a, a, just a quick review of what's going on here in the book of Acts. You know, the church has started, the Holy Spirit has fallen in, in Acts chapter 2. Um, we come to Acts chapter 4, uh, the, the church is rocking and rolling, it's growing like crazy, people are being healed. People are being uh, saved. They're coming to Jesus by the hundreds. I mean, just just crowds and crowds and crowds are coming, and 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 being saved. And and when the lame man was healed at the gate of Beautiful, uh, or the gate called Beautiful, Peter and John they were arrested at the temple. Uh, and in Acts chapter five, they're going to be arrested again for preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus. But an angel helps them escape, and the angel says, "You go back to the temple just like you were doing, and you preach." In the name of Jesus, and so they they go straight back to the temple, and they start preaching and, and teaching in the name of Jesus. They start healing people again, and and not very long afterwards, they are arrested for a third time, and this time the the persecution has come to the church because uh, out of jealousy, the Sanhedrin or the the, the religious leaders, uh, the governing body of the Jewish people at that time, if you will. They flog uh, Peter and John because they're trying to intimidate them. And they've told them, you don't preach or teach in the name of Jesus anymore. And here it is. They're arrested for the third time for preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus. So in the Sanhedrin's eyes, they are disregarding their authority. And and it's just like Peter and John said, are we to mind you or are we to obey God? And, and, and of course, the answer was we're going to obey God rather than men or rather than the Sanhedrin. And so this time they are flogged and persecution has come to the church. And so the enemy is trying to kill the church from the outside. And in Acts chapter 6, when the enemy sees that he can't kill the church from the outside, he's going to try to kill it from the inside. And, and you know, anybody knows if you want to, if you want to, to kill something or to get something to stop uh, progressing, you get on the inside and you work it from the inside out. And that's exactly what happens here in Acts chapter 6. Uh, he's, the enemy's going to sprinkle some discontent in the midst of the church. And 
he's going to get a little riff going between the Greek and, and the Hebrews. And, uh, and if you think about it, Jesus himself said that a kingdom divided against itself it cannot stand. It, it will not stand. So why not create some division and split this thing up? Because when, when something is united, and that's what we were looking at uh, in the past couple of, uh, of podcasts, is how the church is united. And, and you remember the place where they prayed shook with God's power because they were united and they were one with God and God was uh, doing great things through them. And so if, if you could take something that's united... And, and split it apart, it be, it's not as strong. It becomes weaker, if you will. And so the enemy is going to try to get inside the church here and cause a little rift and cause some division and, and maybe weaken this thing so he can kill it. Um, you know, we see the same thing even today. We see it in businesses. We see it in families even. We see it in friendships. And we definitely see it in churches and in, in all kinds of places where the enemy takes something so small and he magnifies it. He draws our attention to it. And the next thing you know, old Billy and Bob, are, they're, they're just mad at each other and they're going at it and they can't stand the sight of one another. They fuss, they argue, they fight. And the next thing you know, they go, they out. They, they just you know don't even want to see the, the sight of each other. And so... Here it is in Acts chapter 6, the first strife that it comes within the church. And it's found in Acts chapter 6, verse 1. It says, the, but as the believers rapidly multiplied, because remember it says the, the, the Lord added to the church daily, right? And so the believers are rapidly multiplying here. And it says, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So it's, it's kind of normal because anytime you have people gathered together, you're going to have problems. And the more people that you have in the group or in that setting, the more problems you're going to have because if you think about it, we're all different. We all have different tastes. We all have different likes. We all have different dislikes. We have different personalities. And, you know, we're not going to agree 100% on every single thing. And so the church is growing so fast, and it's made up of all these different people that have come from all over, from around Jerusalem. If you remember that on the day of Pentecost, remember people had come from all over to give their first fruits to God, and, and they heard their languages uh, being spoken by the apostles because they were speaking in tongues by the power of the Holy Spirit, but yet the, they were able to hear the, the dialect of their language and understand what the apostles were saying. So you've got all these different people from all over who who, who have different backgrounds and, and, and different ethnicities, and, and, and some are Jews and some are Greeks and uh, you know, and some grew up in Judaism and some didn't. And, and you, you, you got people who were uh, non-believers who had become believers. And you just got all just all this different ingredients, if you will. And, and, and they, they all have different opinions and, and different likes and dislikes, like I was saying a while ago. And so, a matter of fact, this is going to be the beginning uh, of the troubles in the church. And we'll see. Uh, it gets a little deeper later on. But here, here is the thing. 
about when problems arise. Just keep this in mind. Because problems are going to happen. It happens every day. It happens between people. It happens between loved ones. It happens between families, at churches, whatever, businesses, your boss, whatever, a co-worker. Problems are going to arise, but the thing is we have to not sweep the, the problems under the rug. We, we, we don't need to overlook the problem and just think that, well, if, you know, if I don't address it, it'll go away. You know, if I just sweep it under the rug, it eventually just, you know, it, it'll fix itself or something like that. And, and so the worst thing that we can do is ignore when a problem arises. What The best thing that we can do when a problem arises is acknowledge the situation. Acknowledge the problem. Put them out on the table and deal with them immediately. Come up with solutions quickly because if you don't, it what happens is they fester, and that's the the worst thing that can happen. It's just like uh, in a marriage, and 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 if if the the spouse makes the other spouse mad, but they don't confront it, they don't put it out on the table, they just uh, uh, hold it inside and they allow it to fester. And over a certain period of time, uh, I had a marriage counselor uh, t- uh, tell me one time, if you don't take that lid off the pot, that lid's going to eventually boil over. Uh, and, and so you, you have to take the lid off the pot and get it to calm down. In other words, what he was saying is you put it out on the table and here's the situation and you deal with it immediately. You don't let it fester because bitterness can spring up, anger, all, just all kinds of bad stuff if we hang on to it and let it fester. Uh, and so the best thing to do when a situation arises, like these these uh, Greek-speaking uh uh, Christians felt like that they were being left out. They're being neglected uh, in the daily distribution of food, and so they're gonna what they do. What is right? They they throw it out there. They say, "Hey, we we have a problem, and here's the problem." In James chapter one verse twenty seven, James says, "Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for the orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you." So remember. Uh, in a couple of chapters uh, before, and I think in, in, in the last chapter as well of Acts, um, everybody was selling what they owned, even though they got to keep what the, their properties and stuff, but they were selling it for the money, and they were pooling their money together. And that's what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, they lied about how much they sold their property for, and God killed them, right? But uh, they, their, I don't want to say their heart was in the right place, but they had the right idea. Because this is what everybody was doing. They were selling what they owned, and they were putting the money, in, 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 giving the money to the apostles, and they were kind of putting it like into an account. And when a need uh, uh, arose, then they would meet that need uh, with the money that they had. And, and so we can see from, in, from chapter 6 that they were doing the right thing. They were doing exactly what God wanted them to do. And, and one of the things that God wanted them to do was to take care of the widows. And, and so we see that their, their, their heart is in the right place. They're doing the right thing. But even, even though they were so close to God, and even though God was working in a mighty way, and the church is just growing ra- so rapidly, problems still came up. 
And you can have two of the, you know, two of the greatest Christians that ever walked to the face of the earth, and there's still going to be problems that, that arise, just like Paul and Barnabas. You know, they, they got so mad at each other, they got so heated over John Mark that they got into a real heated discussion and they they got so mad at one another they had to separate ways i mean it just it just happens even to the greatest christian uh or christians people still can have problems that will arise and 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 the, the most important thing is is we have to deal with it quickly and not sweep it under the rug. And here the problem is these Greek-speaking believers were accusing the Hebrew-speaking believers of discrimination. And if we could go back in time and see what was going on, they, they probably have a fair point because the Jews didn't like anybody else. If you were not a Jew, they, they did not like you. I mean, for a long time, they were thought of as dogs. I mean, Jesus even called the Syrophoenician lady... A dog. So the Jews thought they were it. They were God's chosen, and they just thought they were, you know, God's greatest gift to, to the people on earth. And so they uh, they had issues with these Greek speaking uh, Christians. And let me give you a modern day example. Uh, the first church I worked with was in the Midwest, um, and I'm from West Tennessee. Um, it was in Osceola, Iowa, and being from West Tennessee and, and the church being in the Midwest, there's a totally different dialect. I mean, I, as you can tell from listening to me, I'm country. I, I, I sound like a hick. You know, a lot of people call us hillbillies since I'm from Tennessee. Um, and when we first moved to Osceola, Iowa, uh, you know, they pronounce words different. They have like... Uh, just for example, they they call the in the wintertime the thing that you put on your head to keep your head warm a, a, a toboggan or stocking cap. They call it a, a stocking cap, and we call it a toboggan, and and now they even, we even call it a beanie, and uh, and so they're, they're just different words you know that we use and, and and for different things and you know they have proper English and my English is far from proper. Um, and so uh, they would tell my wife uh, when we lived there that they were going to have to get an interpreter for her because she is her when she speaks her voice is very loud and she is very if if you let me say this hickified uh, she is she is a country hick when she talks and and so they would tell her jokingly but I think they kind of meant it that they were going to get her an interpreter so that they could understand what she was saying and then my mom and my brother came up to visit at one point and they were walking in a grocery store and, and they were just talking and my brother overheard a man say he said honey he was talking to his wife he said honey that they he didn't say ain't that's what we say but he said they're, they're they aren't from around here and it's because of this different dialect and so you know we stood out uh if you will and and, and you know and, and you sometimes you would get some frowns because people would know They'll, they'll ask you what your last name is. And when they ask you what your last name is, and it, this happened to us a lot when we first moved to the mountains in, in, in North Carolina, and they ask you what your last name is, and you tell them Tucker, and they're like, well, we don't know any Tuckers. And, they, man, they, they put a wall up immediately. And, you know, you were a stranger, stranger danger, right? And so th that's kind of what's going on here. You you, you have these Jews in, in, in these Greek-speaking uh, who have different dialect and hey, you're not a Jew. You're not from around here. What's your last name? Well, you're not from here, obviously. So we're we're going to kind of, you know, 
put this wall up. We're going to be cautious around you. And so the Greek-speaking Christians, they, they picked up on that and they said, hey, we're, we're, we're getting shunned here and we're tired of it. And so this, this division, if you will, has arisen from, arose from the inside. And so are they going to deal with it or is it, are they going to let it fester and split the church? We'll find out when we come back from break. My name is Dinah Grace Hawk, and I started a movement of empowerment. I focus on Revelation 12:11, which states that we will overcome, conquer, and defeat him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And we will not love our own lives, even unto death. See, sharing testimony squashes pride. It empowers, it strengthens, it encourages, and it heals. This whole movement is focused on sharing our testimony, our walk with the Lord, how he's using us in this life to empower others to do the same. By doing this, we will overcome anything that this world can throw at us because we are covered by the blood of the Lamb. Every week from now till the end of the year, I'll be highlighting a different woman in the ministry and they're going to share their testimony. Tune in every Saturday at 7 p.m. Eastern, either on Facebook or Instagram at Dinah Grace Hawk. And you get to be a part of this movement too. I'll see you there. So yeah, they, they, they was the the Hebrew speaking Christians. They they you're not from around here. You 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 know you you're not from here. You're from somewhere else, and you've moved in here. You know you don't belong. And but they didn't really have that kind of attitude. But they they were shunning. They were discriminating against the Greek speaking Christians. And so uh, they they're going to bring this attention to the apostles here in just a minute. But I just want to share something from Galatians chapter three that Paul says in verse twenty six and twenty through twenty nine. He says, "For you are all the children of God through faith in Christ Jesus." And all who have been united, and there's your word, united, with Christ in baptism, have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. It doesn't matter where you're from, what color you are. You, if you belong to Christ, you are a true child of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. We are all united into one when we make Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. There is no color. There is no black and white. There is no yellow. There is none, none of those colors exist. No social ladders. No bank accounts. There's you know, no social status. You know, there's... When we when we, when we come to the foot of the cross, when we come to Jesus, there's nothing but we're either lost or we're saved. But the problem is we still see color. We we hear accents when people speak. We hear different languages. We we see labels. You know what kind of clothes are they wearing? You know, and if we, they don't wear a certain label, if they if they don't have the money that we have, you know, uh, if their bank account isn't as big as ours, and we're not having anything to do with those people. We, we see all kinds of stuff like that that shouldn't matter. But unfortunately, in today's time, we make them matter. We choose to do that. We choose to be that way. And so the Hebrews-speaking uh, Christians were discriminating. They chose to do so against these Greeks. But here's what they did, and they do this correctly, and they did it fast. They acted fast. They, they made the problem known, and so the apostles come up with a solution and the unity was kept, which is the goal. Well, the unity is kept for now. 
In Acts chapter 6, verses 2 through 7, it says, So the twelve called a meeting of all believers, and they said, We apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and full of the Spirit and wisdom, and we will give them this responsibility. Then the apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following. They give the names here, or Luke does. Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them and as they laid their hands on them. So God's message continued to spread, and that is the key, because the unity was kept. So the, the gospel continued to spread. God's message continued to spread, and so did the number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. So I, I want to put something out there, and, and some of you may not like it, but here it is. We rely on preachers way too much. You probably call your uh, preacher pastor and more than likely, you attend a church where there is one pastor with a bunch of minions around him called deacons. Um, the preacher or the pastor is calling the shots, and the deacons do whatever he wants or whatever he says. And, and more than likely, uh, he's in the church office through the week, and, and he's doing stuff like weddings and funerals and visiting the sick and, and going to homes and visiting with possible church members because they filled out that card last Sunday and you know stuff like that. Does, that. does that sound familiar? Does that happen at your church? Well, if it is, then that's not biblical. Uh, anytime that you come across the word pastor in the New Testament, uh, and especially uh, in the book of Acts and on, it's always plural. Pastors is another word for elders in the New Testament. Presbyters, bishops, uh, they were, those words were also used, but they all mean the same thing, which is an elder or elders. And there is always, always, always more than one. There's at least two or more. It's always plural. The elders are responsible for the flock, the congregation, not the guy preaching on Sundays, not just one man. So then the elders, they have help, and this is just an overview of what uh, you want to call it, church leadership or whatever. The elders, they have help, and the help is called deacons. And you can see 1 Timothy chapter 3 or Titus chapter 1 for more detail. But as we read the book of Acts, you will see where the elders plural elders are in charge of the church and not just one man who is called a pastor or, or who we call the preacher they are always in plurality and they always have help called deacons and i'd say 80 to 90 percent of the responsibilities that churches put on the preacher today is really the responsibility of the elders but you see we pay this guy and so since we pay him and write him a check, you know, we own him. No, I'm, we don't own him. But sometimes churches act like they do own their, their preacher or their pastor. Uh, but since we pay him, he is, is, is and I can tell you night, nightmares about that, and so can many other preachers. Uh, but since we pay him, then he's going to take on these responsibilities. And if, if, if you uh, know a preacher or, or ever been associated uh, uh, with a church and been behind you know, closed doors or whatever, you'll see when, when or if you go on a, a, a school website who's searching for a preacher, they'll have all these lists 
of responsibilities for the preacher. And 80 to 90% of the responsibilities that's given to the preacher or the pastor is really the responsibility of the elders. And so the apostles, they tell the church, they tell, they tell the group of people, they say, look, our responsibility is to preach and to teach about Jesus, not to run a food program. And, and so you know, was that saying that the food program is not important? No, they're not saying that. The food, the food program is absolutely important. They're meeting the needs of the, the widow people, and that's what God in, intended them to do. Um, needs were being met, but since the program was left without proper guidance, the Greeks felt like that they were being uh, ripped off. And so the solution was, the apostle says, hey, you pick out seven, seven guys from among you, and they can be in charge of the food program. And so we're given the names, and, and, and uh, Stephen, Philip, Pro, uh, Pro, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas of Antioch, uh, who was an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. And so since they acted quickly and they solved the problem, and, and this is the key, this is what you want. Unity was kept, and God kept working, and the church kept growing, and lives were changed. And, you know, so many times we see churches split over the smallest, most craziest things. You know, well, I like the blue carpet and I like the, the, the green carpet. You know, well, I, I want my way, which is what it boils down to is selfishness. You know, I want my way and I'm going to do whatever I have to do. I'm going to manipulate the situation to get my way. And, uh, and so, in that that's not what you want. You 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 want to work together. You want the unity to be restored so that the church can keep growing and keep moving forward in the name of Jesus. And that's what happens. The lie that many lies were continually touched and changed by the message of the gospel. In Acts chapter six verse seven, it says, "So God's message continued to spread, and the numbers of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too." So don't don't just glance over that uh, over that verse quickly and move on because it says the Jewish priests were converted. Have you ever tried uh, uh, doing something a certain way or talking to somebody who has done something a certain way and 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 you're trying to get them to change? I mean it's it's worse than pulling teeth. It's it's almost an impossible situation. Uh, especially when it comes to the Bible, because they'll say stuff like this. You know, I've been taught like this my whole life. I've been taught this way my whole life. And, and when, when people have been taught something for a certain way for their whole life and they hear something different, it just rocks their world. And they, well, I don't agree with that. I just don't agree with that. Well, the, the first thing you need to do is get your Bible out and read it and see which one is the biblical viewpoint? Because too far too many times we hear a preacher say something and we just take it for the gospel because the preacher said it. That is very dangerous. You better be students of the word. You better be in your Bible reading your Bible. And if you can't understand the, the version that you have, get one that you can understand because it's not too difficult. And you can ask God to help you uh, to understand but never take the preacher's word for it. You you check your your Bible and see what he says lines up with uh, the word of God. 
But when people have been cha- uh, have been taught something, no matter what it is, for a, a long way, uh, for a long time, it's hard for them to change. And can you imagine the, these priests that have been converted to Christianity? They they've been taught the ways of uh, of Judaism for a long time. Judea- Judaism has been around for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, and they've been taught to to be this way and to do this ritual and and to, and to worship this holiday and all these different things and now they they they're coming to christ and, it, and it's a completely different mindset from what they are used to let, let me give you a, a a real quick example i heard a story told uh before about a church that was meeting together. They had built a building, but they they had run out of money, so they didn't have. They had a roof, but they didn't have windows or doors yet. And so, since they didn't have windows or doors yet, they had a problem with flies. And so, they would cover up each Sunday. They would have the Lord's Supper, and but they would cover up the Lord's Supper with a sheet because of the fly problem. So eventually, later on, they had enough money, and they were able to get doors, and they were able to put windows in. And so the fly problem was taken care of. However, they continued to lay the sheet over the Lord's Supper table because that's what they always have done. And so one day this individual just decided there's no use in putting the sheet over the Lord's Supper table. We, we don't have the fly problem anymore. So he chose to do away with the sheet. And some church members noticed it, and they pitched a fit about it, and went to this individual and says, "What are you? What are you doing? Why? Why do you not have the Lord's Supper table covered up? We always cover up the Lord's Supper table with that sheet." And the guy says, "But we no longer have a fly problem, and that's the reason why we were covering up the Lord's Supper table was to keep the flies out of it." And they they just could not grasp that concept because this is what we've always done therefore we're going to continue to do it it's when you've done something for all your life or you've been taught something a certain way for all your life it is very very difficult to change especially as you get older older people do not like change but don't don't read over this verse too quickly the priest Many of the priests came to Jesus Christ. They made Jesus their Lord and Savior. These are people who were serving God on a daily basis, but yet they realized their sins were not forgiven without the blood of Jesus Christ. Friend, what about you today? Has your sins been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ? If you have never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, been baptized for the remission of your sins, I challenge you, get in the Word and study it. Read about Jesus and read about what He's done for you on Calvary's cross and the death, the burial, and the resurrection and and what the Bible says to be saved. You call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. If you've never done that, you're lost. And you can disagree with that all you want to. But read it for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Jesus is the only way to heaven. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father except through Christ. And I pray, my friend, that you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And and if you already know Jesus as your your Lord and Savior, I I pray that you would uh, share this podcast with them or share your faith with them. Share Jesus with somebody today or this week. God bless you.
Thank you for listening to the Grind It Podcast today. You can send any questions or comments to grinditpodcast at gmail.com. Please join us next time, and when a challenge comes your way, just oh my, grind it. Been grinding all my life, sacrifice, hustle paid the price, want a slice, got to roll the dice, that's why, all my life, I've been grinding all my life, all my life.